Well, today, as we return to our study of this chapter 9 of the book of Luke, we're once again brought face to face with this harsh reality that evil demonic spirits really do exist and that they are ever and always at work to invade the lives of common ordinary people. In the case of the scriptures we'll read today, an innocent young child, those demonic spirits bring harm and suffering mentally, physically, and emotionally. And know, as I've said to us so often when we've studied these scriptures, most of us don't want to be reminded that that spirit world really does exist. And especially that those demonic beings are involved within the lives and behaviors of people and circumstances all around us, even our own lives and the lives of our loved ones. We prefer instead to believe that the demonic activity is just bad things happening to good people. Bad things happening to good people. But folks, listen, we really must not be naive about all of this. As much as we might not want to believe that demonic activity is taking place, we really must accept that it is. And why would that be so? It's because time and time again, these scriptures bring this truth to us, as do these words that I'll read for us in a moment. And we need to accept that these words of scripture that we'll read today are just as true, they're just as real as all the other words of Scripture, especially those that we treasure, John 3.16 or Psalm 23 or whatever your favorite verses are. These ones that we'll read here today are just as real and just as important. And also, too, these words that we've read from 2 Timothy tell us that all Scripture, every Scripture that we'll read is given by inspiration from God. The word inspiration means that he breathed them out into the minds and the hearts of these writers, in this case, Luke or Timothy or Paul, and then through their minds onto the pages of Scripture, onto the pages of our Bible. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, he tells us, so that every man and every woman is complete and they're fully equipped for every good work. And so it is with these words that we'll read here in a moment. Folks, we cannot just pick and choose scripture verses that we like and study those. All of these words are given to us by the Lord for a reason. So then, with that being said, let's pick up where we left off last week and let's read These words from Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 37. Verse 37. Now it happened on the next day. Let me remind us. The day before, the Lord Jesus was up on the mountain. He was up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. And there they witnessed this transfiguration of the Lord Jesus. And they saw Moses and Elijah meeting there and talking with the Lord Jesus. And then verse 37 tells us, Now it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. And suddenly a man from the multitude cried out saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him 
And he suddenly cries out and it convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring your son here. And as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean demon, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. Now, folks, again, these words truly do present to us a very harsh reality. Reality that there really are evil, demonic spirits living within the unseen world all around us. And according to these words... Those demonic spirits are able to live and move and have their being not only over in their unseen realm, but they're also able to come over into our visible, natural world where you and I live and able to invade the lives and the behaviors of many of us. Common, ordinary people, even innocent young children, bringing harm and bringing suffering physically, emotionally, and mentally. And no, their involvements didn't just take place in the days of Jesus. And that's something you and I have to come to grips with. The involvement of those unclean spirits didn't just take place during the days of Jesus. They're taking place right now, even as we speak, all across our world, and especially across our nation. As we can see from the words of this passage, unlike the people of our day, the people of Jesus' day, they readily accepted such things as being a reality of daily life. And they spoke about it freely. This father did. But again, not so our generation, not so our modern culture. Unlike them, folks, we in our day, we're very uncomfortable, very unwilling to personally acknowledge and to accept such things as demonic beings. Yes, we'll make statements to familiar faces within the church, but once we leave here, we don't talk about the activity of the demonic world. It's just not done in our culture. Now, folks, I'm not suggesting that all of the health problems, the physical maladies, and the emotional behaviors that we witness taking place all around us each day are all caused by demonic influence and control. No, these scriptures don't tell us that. But these scriptures do tell us, they do reveal to us that at least some, some, perhaps many, of those diseases and those emotional behaviors really are caused by demonic beings that these scriptures call unclean spirits. And because these these scriptures tell us this, we really must give full consideration to that possibility when we see it taking place. We really must stop being naive. We must not join with this modernist mindset of our day and insist that all the matters that are taking place in and around us each day are simply, as I said a moment ago, bad things happening to good people. Or that perhaps some of them like to say, oh, well, they're just naturally occurring health problems and illnesses and diseases, emotional behaviors, 
all those things, they just take place naturally within people's bodies and in their minds and in their activities. But we need, we must not be naive about all this. Because when we're drawn to believe that those things are simply naturally occurring, then we naively cast aside and reject the presence of the spirit world that the Lord Jesus is telling us about here. And then that, unfortunately, once we start with that premise, let me stop for a moment and tell you, I have a good friend who really spends time with the Lord. He really loves the Lord. But if I speak to him at all about the demonic activity or use any of those expressions, he will say to me most every time, well, I don't believe that there is a demon behind every bush. And I believe that we're sinful enough that we don't need demons to tempt us. Here's a man of my age, knows probably more about Scripture than I do. But folks, I do believe he's being naive about all of this. Because if we believe in the way that he does, then we're on this slippery slope where we'll blame and attribute the causes of all of the troubles taking place in our world and all around us that they are taking place naturally and we'll use and only able to use natural remedies to correct them. It's naivety. Now, turn back with me, if you will, for a few moments and let's take a look at this passage given to us here in Luke chapter 9. And let's ask the Lord Jesus to enable our eyes to see those unseen spiritual realms in exactly the way that Jesus saw them. Now here, there's an innocent young boy, and he's been completely overwhelmed by a demon since his earliest childhood. And his father said in verse 39, Behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out, and it convulses him, so that he foams at the mouth, and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. Now over in the book of Matthew, chapter 17, Describing this same incident, there we read where the father pleads, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. You'll recall that the disciples had been given power as they had gone out to minister They had been given power to cast out demons, to cure diseases. And this man had brought his son to the disciples, but they could not cure him. Now, in both of these accounts, that's made clear that the disciples could not cast the demon out. Try as they may, they could not. Now, knowing that that took place is important because too often we also search for a quick fix. I know I do. We want a quick answer. And often that's not possible. Some cures often require a great deal of long-term patience. Now let me restate this dilemma that this young boy is in. He's been suffering from a condition here described as epilepsy for most of his life. In the book of Mark, this same incident is described. There Jesus said that the boy had a spirit that also caused him to be deaf and dumb. He could not speak nor hear. 
So he had these epileptic type uh, fits, plus he was unable to speak or to hear. And the evil spirit would take control of the boy and would cause him to foam at the mouth. And his fits, as his father said, would cause him to fall into water and almost drown or into fire. But notice in these words, notice them carefully, that the boy's suffering is not just a result of his health condition. It actually is the demon that's causing his specific suffering. And that's very important. Verse 39, And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. The spirit convulses him so that he foams at the mouth, and the spirit departs from him with great difficulty bruising him. And then over in Mark, the same incident, often the demon has thrown him into both the fire and the water to destroy him. We need to be very careful to understand the impact of each of these words. We're being told here that the demonic spirits themselves, the demonic spirits, not the diseases, are the direct cause of the pain and suffering that this boy is enduring. The the demonic spirits are able to conceal themselves within some of the most common and naturally occurring illnesses and diseases. And that's why so many people stay confused about what they're looking at when they see someone suffering from a disease because these demonic spirits can conceal themselves within these diseases. But it's still the doing of the unclean spirit. Note also a very important attribute of demons. Some of them have a special strength and ability to resist being cast out. On at least one other occasion, perhaps more of the disciples were told here, would pray over this boy, but to no avail. The demon was able to hang on and continue to torment the boy. Matthew 17, uh, we're told, the disciples came to Jesus privately after they had prayed over this boy. The disciples came to, the, to Jesus privately and said, why can't we cast this demon out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, because of your lack of faith. He says, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll be able to say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. And no, folks, we don't understand much of this. I don't understand much of this, but it's still true. And here he's telling us some demons are very, very strong. And because they live in this unseen world, we're not able to know that, but they are. And it's only as by faith we draw ourselves up near to God that those strong demons will loosen their hold and flee. Why? It's because... They cannot bear to be in the presence of God. James chapter 4, there we're told, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. So as we draw near to Christ in our prayers, the demons will leave because they can't stand to be in his presence. But listen, drawing near to God when we or our loved one is sick, it's really usually not our first thought. What is our first thought? Well, we do quickly pray, yes. But mostly, we just pray that the next 
natural remedy that we're getting ready to pursue will relieve whatever suffering is there. That the doctor, some barrage of tests or therapy or medication will take care of it. That's our prayer. Oh, make the doctors to know what to prescribe or how to treat this illness. And yes, sometimes, sometimes those doctors are effective, but just as often they're not. Just as often they're not. Their remedies fall short. They treat a symptom, whatever that symptom is. But there's more behind that symptom, and they don't know it. Now, we need to also realize that the same demons that are seizing control over our sickness, they also seize control over the way we think, our minds. And they keep us confused so that we don't really know what to do next. And in our dilemma, we usually simply just continue to do what we've always done, and that is we just go to the next logical solution, another doctor or another medication or some other natural cure. But Jesus' words, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Folks, those are rebukes. Those are strong rebukes to you and me. To those people then, yes, but to you and me. Jesus is saying here that faith should and must be our first thought and our first response. Faith. But how can we completely change our manner of thinking and understanding? We've always depended on going to the medicine cabinet and getting the next dose of our medication or going to another doctor. How can we begin to understand, to accept that the demonic world really was then and really is now very actively involved in so many of the daily matters of our life. In our most common of health problems, the resistance, I believe, comes to us first perhaps from the powerful public media. They convince us that it's too embarrassing a thing to utter words like demonic or demonic influence. They make fun of that kind of response. In their mind, demonic influence is just something that they see on a late night B-movie where Catholic priests are casting out demons. But folks, we must not be under their influence, the influence of the public media. Recently, we've been learning from that same media that Probably all the suffering that's been taking place from the COVID-19 virus probably originated within some chemical laboratory in China. And so if you take one more step backwards, why do we assume that it was only the Chinese lab techs or even their government that were responsible for that, all that suffering? Why not also, and I know this sounds a little speculative, but why not also believe that, that there were strong demons influencing and controlling those people who were creating and releasing that awful virus? And perhaps many of the other viruses. There's a new one every few weeks that the World Health Organization warns us about. Why should we believe it was only those lab techs or that government that influenced that virus to be released. And then on another front, in all of the anger and the unrest, the rioting and the killing 
that's taking place so freely within our cities across our nation each day. Is that just really bad people doing bad things? In our capital city last weekend or the weekend before, six people died. Six people were murdered just there in Jackson. Is that just bad people doing bad things? And then on another even more recent tragedy that we've witnessed is the one involving this woman who went into that Christian elementary school in Nashville and mercilessly slaughtered three innocent children and three workers. Are we to believe that that young woman was simply a bad person doing bad things? Or as many of her supporters, which she seems to have many out there, have suggested, well, she just simply has some mental disorder. Or is the real truth, the real truth more likely to be exactly what these scriptures are telling us here in these words today? The unclean demonic spirits take control over a person's mind. In this case, this woman and guided her behavior. And what are we to say about some of the possible contributing factors? She was said to be a transgender woman who came to think for some reason that she was supposed to have been a man. And though it's not said in any of the articles that I've read, she most likely, folks, was on some strong medications. They give those folks, often at least, they give those folks strong medications to enhance their progress into, in her case, male behaviors. I can't help but believe that some medications that are being given to a female that are supposed to be exclusively male, that that won't cause corruption within a body and mind of a person. But as we saw with this young man in this scripture passage, it really was specifically demons causing the behaviors of the boy. And folks, for myself, I must assume that the same is true for this woman. We know from other scriptures that demons of that sort have violent behaviors. Demons that have to do with homosexuality. You'll recall that the people there in Sodom and Gomorrah, that their sin was homosexuality. And that they were violently attacking Lot and his family and those visiting angels to try to force them to have homosexual sex with them. Folks, that's not natural behavior. I personally don't know what caused this young woman to do those awful things to those dear people in that school. But for myself, based on these scriptures, not just these that we're studying today, but all through the New Testament, I truly do believe that this woman's behavior had its beginnings within that unseen demonic world. Now, one more example. The intensity with which the homosexual world is forcing their sins upon our nation. One of those ways is through the insistence of presenting drag queen shows to our children, to our children within our schools and libraries. And so many of our politicians are agreeing with it. And folks, that is beyond alarming for us within the church. And it must be. It should be. We should call it what it is. 
All of that kind of behavior is obviously perverse. And on the authority of the simple truths that we read in these scriptures, you and I need to realize and to accept that much of these evil behaviors and these events are first originating within that unseen realm with those unclean spirits where they're invading over into our natural realm and finding willing participants. Now the question is, what are we as believers and as a church, what do we need to do? What's to be our response? We know that just standing around complaining seldom accomplishes anything. That's what we do best, yes. But it does not accomplish anything. We've learned from these scriptures today that sometimes, perhaps often, demons can hang on tightly. And the only remedy might be prayer and fasting. Perhaps that's where you and I need to begin. That should be the first step that we would step out of our comfort zone of our natural thinking, that thinking that that person or those people are just bad people doing bad things, bad people doing bad things to good people. We need to step out of that comfort zone of all of that natural thinking, away from the world's remedies into God's remedies. Because the world's remedies are not working. It's getting worse every day. What harm would prayer and fasting do to you and me? Hunger of that sort is not usually harmful. And yes, maybe our pursuing of that kind of answer might get us criticized by some of our neighbors or friends or whatever, but how harmful is all of that to us? As we mentioned a few moments ago, some demons really are very, very strong. And it's only as we, by faith draw ourselves up near to God, that those demons will loosen their hold and flee. If the modern remedies of our society are not working, then we need to try this one, where we would draw near to God. And as we said, as we submit to God, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to us. If we do this, that could bring an effectual remedy in so many of these circumstances. I believe that this really is our answer. You and I need to draw near to God in this matter of demonic influence. It's only then that those demons will loosen their hold and leave. So may I ask us again, do we really believe these words that we're reading here? Or do we only want to believe our old opinion about these matters? Here in this circumstance, the father of this boy was faced with that very question. And listen to his precious and humble response given to us in Mark chapter 9. Jesus said to the boy's father, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help mine unbelief. And folks, once the father said those words, look at what Jesus did next in verse 42. There we're told, Then Jesus rebuked that unclean spirit, He healed the child and gave him back to his father. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we confess we don't know about this stuff. It's all so strange. It's unseen, coming in unseen. But by your Spirit, we can know 
that those other unclean spirits are present among us. We can see to some degree what Jesus saw. Help us to do that. Help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.